Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Uh, We have the distinct pleasure of hearing from our associate pastor today, Pastor Tim Martin. If you haven't had uh, the, the chance to get to know Tim, Tim's an awesome guy. Um, a couple of years back, uh, we began to pray as uh, church leadership and with the elders and say, hey, I need some help shepherding the people of VFC. Um, and, and so we began to pray and, and, and ask the Lord to show us who the person would be that could help shepherd and get in people's lives and encourage people and love them. And, and, and Tim was just such an obvious choice. It's been almost two years now that he's been on staff with us. He's part-time. He still builds barns and all kinds of stuff and uh, things that I cannot do. Um, and many of his stories uh, start out, uh, I was working the cows one day, and I think I will never start a story that way. Um, but uh, we, we love Tim here. He's such an important part of the ministry of VFC. Would you guys please welcome Tim Martin? So good morning, everybody. Glad to see y'all this morning. Good to see y'all made it through the Christmas holidays. Everybody had a good time, I hope. We had a great time with our family. Uh, Food, fun, fellowship, uh, just family. Just a great time. Uh, uh, Everybody say the number four. Four. All right, everybody say the number hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good. That's the number of days left in 2020. We're ready to get this thing done. Man, has 2020 been a challenge or what? It's just been, it's been so different. We, we watched our world um, from probably February, March. The whole year, we just, like in a week, everything changed. It was almost immediate. It was almost kind of scary how quick our lives changed because we went from doing normal stuff to airlines closed down and restaurants closed down and schools closed down and churches closed down, businesses closed and some of them never opened back up. We went, we saw all of that. We, we were told that we had to wear a mask. We were told that we had to stay six foot apart. When you went to the big retailers like Walmart, you had to, you, you, you had to stand in this line behind this big barrier with a mask on and six foot apart and and, and there was a lady with a computer telling you when you could come in and, and all that kind of stuff. And then they had arrows on the floor. What was that about? I, am I the only one that didn't <laughs> mind the arrows? <laughs> Sorry. But it was just crazy how 2020 was just so different. And our presidential election was different than we've ever experienced since I've been alive. It's still not over. So, we, you know, 2020 has been a challenge. But can I say one thing this morning? but God, but God, let me, you know, I feel like the enemy has gotten enough credit for 2020. And I think this morning we need to give God a little bit of credit for what he's done in 2020. Okay. 
Because, see, in February of 2020, I took Lynn all the way to California to have open-heart surgery. And I watched God pay a $250,000 medical bill for her. Free. My, my business, as Jamie said, I'm a contractor. We build things. I use a lot of lumber, and I build a lot of things. And lumber this year tripled in price because of the lumber mills closing down and this kind of stuff. And, and our business has been busier than it's been ever. We, I, I've had trouble this year finding help and keeping enough trucks going, and, and it's just been so crazy busy. And if you talk to any contractor, they're the same way. It's been busy. God has been blessing businesses this year um, just amazingly. Um, th- this church, through a pandemic, BFC has grown. Every month this year, we've had new partners come into our church. God has blessed this church. And can I say this morning that if you are a believer and you have chosen to follow Jesus, there's a few promises in the Bible that, that, what, that you're going to receive. The promise of he will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise that he will provide for you. The promise that he has a plan for you, a purpose for you in your life. He cares about you. He cares that you are taken care of. Now, I don't know what 2021 holds. I'm not a, a guy to figure that kind of stuff out. But I can tell you this. If you follow Jesus, those promises are for you. And you're going to be okay. You're going to make it through. You know, Jamie and I, a few weeks ago, we were kind of talking about this morning and what I would share on. And, and almost immediately, I heard share on the cost of disobedience. Ooh, yeah. That's the same thing I said. Ooh, because I can talk about that because I can relate to it. And I hope this morning that something that I say, you can see yourself in and you can relate to what God is trying to say to us about living in disobedience and the cost of it. See, the enemy this year meant bad for, for the world. He, he tried to take us down, but God prevailed, and he turned it around for good. <clears throat> In Deuteronomy chapter 28, it's a whole chapter about blessings and curses. And it's, it's cool. We sang the song, Blessings and Curses, this morning. And then Pastor Larry was talking about blessing or cursing through whichever conduit you use. Great illustration, by the way. We can all relate to, to that. Um, but in 28, the first half of the chapter is devoted to blessings. And if you go and read it, I, for sake of time this morning, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read part of it to you anyway. I wasn't sure if I was going to read it or not, but I think I need to, Jamie, don't you? <laughs> I'm going to start in chapter 1, we're just, uh, verse 1. We're just going to read. Um, I'll read for a while. It says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Get this. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, 
and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed, or as I grew up in Southern Baptist, blessed, blessed shall be your basket and kneading bowl. You ever heard somebody preach like that? Blessed. Blessed shall you, be, shall you be when you come in and when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be but defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. And if you go on and keep reading, it's just blessing after blessing after blessing until you get down to verse 15. Verse 15 is where it changes. Verse 15, it says, but it shall come to pass. And get this if you don't get anything else. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And it goes through all the same blessings that we just went through as curses. Now, if you read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul tells us that Jesus has redeemed us from the curses of the law. But understand this, just because you've been redeemed from the curse of the law, it doesn't release you from doing the right moral thing. It doesn't give you the right to just go out and live life however you want to live it and do wrong stuff because you've been redeemed from the curse, but not from doing the right thing. See, when I was um, when I was a little a little guy, just a real hey mom, my mom's watching this morning. Um, when I was a real little guy, I learned real quick the cost of disobedience. If mama or daddy told me to do something, I didn't do it. I got my butt whipped. And some of y'all need your butt whipped. But I don't think your mama did enough. But anyway, I learned real soon that there was a cost to me being disobedient to my mom. I was going to get my tail tore up. I also learned that, say I wanted a popsicle. I love banana popsicles. And say I wanted a popsicle. And I asked my mom can I have a popsicle? She would say, sure, son. As soon as you pick up your toys, you can have them. And I learned real quick that if I was obedient and I went and picked up my toys, then I would get the blessing of a popsicle or whatever it was that I asked for. So you see, there's a cost for your disobedience to God. And there's also a blessing for your obedience to God. Everybody say that there's blessings in obedience. That's, I love that. That's good stuff. That's true life right there. In 2006, um, um, I'm going to share some stuff with you guys this morning. I haven't ever shared before. and it's, I've been praying about it a lot. And I think God wants to, to say it this morning. So in 2006, I went on my first mission trip to Honduras. I went with a group of guys, and we went for the purpose to pour a cement floor in a house for a family there. And, you know, here that may not sound like, a big deal. But when you're living in the middle of the mountains of Honduras and you're living in a mud hut and you have dirt floors and your children have to sleep on that dirt and there's bugs in that dirt called a chinchin bug that will come out of that dirt at night and it will bite the children and if it bites them they will die. So for a group of Americans to fly all the way to their country, hike up through the mountains with tools and cement and all that stuff and spend their time and their money pouring a floor in their house to protect their children is a life-changing event for the Honduran people. 
so for that week, that's what we, you know, that was our task for that week. We went to um, the house of uh, Jesus Sanchez and his wife, Petamina, and we poured a floor in their house. I worked alongside Pastor Jesus, who's the pastor of the local community there, and he couldn't speak English and I couldn't speak Spanish. We could kind of understand a little bit, but no conversation. But we built a relationship that week. We got to know one another real close, and, and, and we just... We, we became brothers. And at the end of the week, we had finished pouring this floor, and we gathered in the yard outside there, and we were praying for the family. And when we, it started raining a little bit in the trees there, and it was just really a cool time. And we finished praying, and I grabbed a big toolbox, and I threw it on my shoulder. We were fixing a hike back through the mountains. And Pastor Jesus said this in English. He said, Hola, team. And everybody kind of stopped and looked at him, and he pointed at me. And he said these words. He said, you'll be back. He said, you'll be back. Now, I don't know what happened that day in my heart. Because I was feeling, my heart was filled with joy, and it was breaking at the same time. And I didn't understand what had just happened to me. And we took our tools and we went back, hiked back through the mountains and got to the truck and went to the missionary's house. And the next day was just kind of a, a, a relaxed day before we flew home. And I spent the day in meditation. God, what, are you saying something to me in this? What are you saying? What did he mean I'll be back? And on the flight home, I was just praying and, and I was thinking, what did that mean? Because, I mean, it really did something to me. It was not just emotional. It was something happened. And I felt the Lord speak to me on the way home on the flight, and he said, I want you there. I want you to move there. I want you to live there, and I want you to take care of those people and serve with those people. Now, see, I went down there to bless them. <laughs> but God had other plans. He blessed me. He changed my heart while I was there. So I get home, and I walk in the door, and Miss Lynn, um, how many of you guys married a strong-willed wife? How many of you ladies are very strong-willed? All of you need to raise your hand. <laughs> but I remember walking in the door, and, and Miss Lynn said, well, how was your trip? And I, I started trying to tell her, and I just started weeping because it was so powerful for me. And, and once I got where I could talk, I started telling her all about what we did and how the trip went and all this kind of stuff. And I, I told her, I said, I, God told me that we're supposed to move down there and help serve with these people and live there. Now, my wife of 34 years and whom I'm well pleased, who supports her husband, who, who understands I, I'm the authority for our household, submits, she submits to my authority, looked at me with those big, beautiful brown eyes of hers and said this, I ain't heard that. <laughs> she said, God ain't told me that. <laughs> but see, she hadn't been where I had been. She hadn't seen what I had seen and what I, she hadn't experienced the, heart that I, the heartbreak that I had. So she didn't understand. So for the next few months, it was every single day I was crying, I was weeping, I was trying to figure out, God, I got to get back. I need to go back and serve those people. I need to go back. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. So I got a phone call from a missionary that said, come spend a week down here with us. We got a medical team. We need somebody to cook for them. And I said, we're there. 
I, I didn't even ask Lynn. I said, we're going to Honduras. And so she got to go on her first trip. And while we were there that week, she was blow drying her hair one morning, and the Lord spoke to her and told her the same thing that he told me. And for me, joy just filled my heart because I knew that was confirmation that I had heard God correctly. So for the next season, we did. We came home and we'd go back and we'd come home. We'd go back trying because she owned her own business. I owned my own business. We had a mortgage. We had car payments. We had insurance. We had all the stuff that goes with life here that we had to take care of. We had a daughter still in high school. So we would go and we'd stay there for two or three months. We'd come home for a few weeks and work, 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 work. And then we'd go back down there and work, 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 work. Come back here and work all we could work. And I'm, I'm here to tell you what. In all of our years of marriage, that was some of the hardest times of our life. It was not fun. It was hard. It was hard spiritually. It was hard emotionally. It was hard physically. And it was hard financially on us. We didn't have anybody step up and say, hey, I'll finance your trip. You go do what God's called you to do. I'll pay for everything. We were still having to pay for everything here and pay for stuff there. And we had some churches that stepped up and helped us down there with stuff. But it was hard. It was really hard on on our lives. So we worked through this season and, and, and... we got to a point, one, one time when we were home, I remember our church offered a class on Sunday morning by a guy who had previously been a missionary. And he said, he was teaching a class on how to be a missionary. We're like, we need to jump right in that. We need, we need to know how to be a missionary. So we jumped in his class, and one of the things that he taught us was, if you're called to be a missionary and go into the mission field, you need to set a date. Figure out a date when you're going to go full-time and set that date and work towards that goal. And I thought, well, that sounds like a good idea. I have a plan. So here's where disobedient kicked in. This is where it happened, right? This is the line. If you drew a line in the sand where my disobedience started, it's right here. When he said that, I heard him say that. And I realized it was the right thing to do. Never one time did Lynn and I sit down and have a conversation and say, What day do you think we should go? I didn't ask her. I didn't even ask God. I didn't say, God, you call me to do this. Now, when do you want me to go? It was kind of like, hey, thanks for calling me to do this, but I got this. Watch what I can do. Watch me do this. I was so in disobedience to God. I was not listening to him. I was not asking him questions. I was not depending on him getting me there or anything. I was running on, on airplane fuel, buddy. I was just getting it. So in that process, I was riding down the road one day, and I just kind of reached up in the sky, and I said, February 10th, 2010. That's our date. That, that's kind of how it happened. I just picked the day. That's the day we're leaving. So I went home, and I told in February 10th, we're leaving. We're full-time. We're gone. We're out of here. So things started happening we started, I started telling everybody and people were giving us money and giving us things to take for us. We realized that once we got there, we were going to need a house and we were going to need a car to drive and all that fun stuff. So we flew down and we secured a house to rent. We came back and then we had all this stuff to take for a house, you know, pots and pans and, 
and pictures to hang on the wall and bed linens and clothes and tools and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, I can't fly it down there. I still hadn't asked God. I'm just doing it. And we, I mean, we had, we had people that, that are here today that, that gave us going away parties and just had a lot of people there and just things happening for us. They provided a, a house for our daughter to live in while we were gone. It, it, it was happening. I had so many people praying for me and anointing me with oil. I smelled like a quart of 10W40 walking down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was crazy. But it, I mean, we were, it, it was getting done. So I came, I came up with this idea. We need a car there. I have a, a Yukon that's paid for, so why don't I just pack everything in the Yukon and I'll drive to Honduras. I hadn't asked God. Sounded like a good idea, so we planned to do that. We loaded the car down. Lynn, being the smart one of the bunch, she said, I tell you what, you go ahead and drive all the way to Honduras. I'll fly down there and meet you a few days later at the airport. I said, okay, cool. It, at that point, it didn't matter. Because God had told me to do it, I'm doing it. So I had this buddy of mine that was going to ride down there with me. It happened to be the guy that was teaching the class on being a missionary that had previously been a missionary. And he had made that trip several times through Mexico. And he knew the way through Mexico to make it to Honduras. And I didn't. So I got him with me. And I left. I remember we left that morning, February 10th. We had that car loaded from front to back inside out I had I had taken hundred dollar bills and I had taken the console out and stuffed some in there I had put some under the seat covers I mean when you drive through Mexico you hide your money because they will take it and I and I really didn't realize how dangerous it was I didn't care I knew God had told me to go do this so we left and we got to Brownsville Texas and we spent the night there before we crossed the border going into Mexico the next morning and can I say there's a cost to your disobedience? Because I remember walking down the hallway of our Motel 6 that night. And I, I said, I need to call Lynn. Because when I cross the border tomorrow, I'm not going to be able to talk to her until I get to the missionary's house in Honduras. There will be no phone service. No way to call. But this was before you could take your iPhone and, and make it work in every country. I don't even think I had a, a phone with me that would work. So I'm walking down the hall and I'm talking to her on the phone. And I just started weeping. And I wound up having to hang up the phone. And I told her, I'll see you in a few days. I hope. And I realized at that point that I had made a mistake. I knew right then that I was not where I was supposed to be. And all I wanted to do was turn around and go back to the house. I wanted to go see my kids. I wanted to hug my mama one more time. I wanted to just see Lynn. And all of a sudden, this pride swelled up inside of me. And be careful of pride. Be careful of pride. Because pride said this to me that day. It said, hey, guy, big guy big missionary guy you've already told all these people you're going to do this what are you going to do they've given you this money they've given you this stuff what are you going to do now you got to go and I listened to pride and we went 
And I drove all through Honduras, and y'all heard the story of the cops in Honduras that took us down the side road with the machine guns and threatening our lives and wanting money and all that. And at that moment with those cops, I allowed the spirit of fear to get on me. And if you've never had the spirit of fear of you, let me tell you today, it is a real deal. It will cause you pain. And that happened to me that day. And I went on to Honduras and we got there and we picked up Lynn at the airport and went to the motel that night. And I remember her saying this to me, I don't know who you are, but you need to bring my husband back. Because my whole countenance had changed. I was so scared of everything. I was scared I was going to die. I was prepared to die, but I wasn't ready to die. Do you understand that? And I remember going to our house in La Esperanza and being there. And I could take you right now and put you on a plane and fly you to San Pedro, put you in a car, drive you to La Esperanza, go to the house that we lived in and walk you to the spot in the yard next to the coffee plant where I stood every single day and I would call home. And I would call a buddy of mine and I would just cry. I want to go home. I don't need to be here. I can't be here. I'm, in the, I'm wrong. I'm in the wrong place. I'm miserable. When you get out of God's timing and you're in, in disobedience, you will be miserable. Nothing will work for you. And I remember calling our, Lynn would not even sleep in the same room with me. I wouldn't let her go to town without me. I wouldn't let her out of my sight, basically. Forget doing ministry of any kind. I couldn't take care of myself. And I, I remember calling our, my pastor one day and I, and I was explaining to him what was going on. And he said these words of wisdom. He said, I don't know anybody who's in ministry, if they're truthful, that will tell you they've ever gotten it right every time. He said, you made a mistake. So come home. That's all I needed to hear was come home from somebody to tell me. So I went in the house and I told Lynn, I said, we're going home. Well, Lynn, being the smart one, reminded me that we had a house that we had rented. We had a house full of stuff. We had a car there that we couldn't just leave. We had responsibilities there now. That made it even more miserable. So we figured out that we needed to get home. We made a way to get home. Got, can I say this last week, we posted online that God will meet you in the middle of your mess. That day, God met me in the middle of my mess. He got me back to the house. We had to fly back down there in order to get the car. But in the middle of the mess, God introduced us to a guy who knew a guy who knew some guys who knew somebody else that worked at the port in Honduras. And he said, hey, if you can get your car to Puerto Cortez, we'll put it on a banana boat and we'll have it in Miami in three days for you. God provided that. I didn't know those people, but God fixed that up for me. So we got the car back. I came home and I had to heal. I had to get back in touch with God again. I, I started praying more than I had and I don't know when. I had to go through a deliverance class. And in that class I realized that I had not forgiven my father for dying when I was eight years old. I realized that I had not released my children to God. I realized that I was carrying around some unforgiveness in my heart. And I had to get those things straight. Once I got those things straight and I started listening to God, things started changing. Things started clicking. Things just it, We knew that it was time to go back to Honduras. 
God was putting things. Our call had never changed. Our call was to go be missionaries in Honduras. That's where God wanted us. But because of my disobedience, we got out of timing. When I got back into obedience and started listening to him, he started blessing us beyond our wildest imaginations. He provided a house for us down there. You, you guys, I wish you could see the house that he gave us to live in. It was a doctor and his wife had built this house and never moved into it and got divorced and the bank foreclosed on it. It was two stories, eight bedrooms, six bathrooms, big gated entryway to it, block wall all around it, hand laid tile through the whole house. This thing, it was immaculate. And most of the houses like that were renting for twelve dollars to $1,500 a month. We couldn't afford that. I mean, we walked in the kitchen, Lynn loves chickens, roosters, you know, decorating. And there was hand-laid tile with roosters in it all the way around the kitchen. It was like, this is our house. We just knew. So we went to the bank and talked to Miss Anna. Our friend Zia Mar took us to the bank, talked to Miss Anna, who was the president there. And, and uh, she said... Um, yeah, we want to rent this place out. We want to leave. We want to sign a year's lease. Okay, there's no problem. She said, what can you afford? And we said, $500. And we, you know, we threw the number out there. That's what we could afford. So she said, she said, I'll call you back in the morning. So the next morning she called me back and she said, can you come by the bank? I want to talk to you. I said, yes, ma'am. We go by the bank and we walk in and she's got a, a, a contract laid up there for us to sign and the keys to the house laying beside it. And she said, we're going to lease you this house for $550 a month with no down payment, no nothing, just sign the papers. Here's the keys. It's the middle of February. You don't have to start your payment until the 1st of March. You can move in tomorrow. God started doing things like that. It was amazing. That ha- there was no furniture, so I learned how to be a furniture builder real quick. <laughs> I went to this lumber mill and we had them cut up a bunch of pine boards and we made beds and we made tables and we, we, we made furniture for that house. But it was amazing. God provided us with a truck down there that we could afford to buy. That I bought it, um, a little Toyota truck, and I drove it for four or five years and turned around and sold it for the same thing I bought it for. So it was, it was a pretty good deal. I mean, God just kept doing things once we got into obedience with him. So if, you're, if you have been living in disobedience, you need to do a checkup. Ask God, am I living in disobedience? <clears throat> I want to read something to you. This is, I, I love this right here because it, it just it sums everything up in one paragraph. It says, disobedience to God's word comes from a sinful heart. A heart that will not trust God. Obedience comes from a heart that trusts God. If God's people will obey him, they find the blessings that he yearns to give them. If they disobey, believers receive judgment and necessary discipline. If you choose to follow God, then the promises that we talked about earlier are for you. They're yours just for the asking. My question for you today is, are you walking in obedience or disobedience? Let's all stand for prayer.
want you to take a minute and just ask the Holy Spirit, am I living in obedience to what you call me to do or am I in disobedience and trying to do this on my own? Now I want you to ask him to show you what the call is he has for your life. Because if you've been a believer more than five minutes, he's got a call on your life. He's got something for you to do. Ask him to show you ways that you've been disobedient and how to correct them. I want you to pray this with me. Say, Father, Father I thank you, thank you for, showing me for showing me my disobedience. My disobedience. And, I pray right now and I pray right now that you will help me, you will help me to, get to get back in obedience. I thank you for your promises, you for your promises. that you will never leave me, never leave me or, forsake me. or forsake me. I thank you, God, thank you, for all the plans that you have for my life. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. Bow, will you close us out? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.